welcome to the Belgian Football Podcast for yet another year of our one of our European specials. I am your host, Joris Beck, and I'm joined by Scott Coyne from our regular crew. How are you doing, Scott? Good, thanks, Joris. Great to be here. Hi, everyone. As mentioned, it's a European special, so we have another guest. At, and this time, it's a special match preview episode for, of the upcoming Europa League fixture between Antwerp FC and Ludo Gores Radzgrad on the 3rd of December. And to help us whet our European football appetites even further, we've been joined by a special guest, Metodi Shumanov, a Bulgarian journalist and football writer, to give us the lowdown on Ludo Gores. Welcome to the BFP, Metodi. How are you doing? How are you doing? Uh, hello, Yuris. Hello, Scott. I'm very well. Thank you. Hope you are doing well. Uh, you're staying safe uh, in these difficult times. Let's let's get to it then. Well, I'm wondering uh, how, how the domestic league is going for Ludogorets this season. Uh, there have been some ups and downs. Unfortunately, yeah, the league is everywhere. Uh, in, in Europe has been also affected by COVID-19. So Lulugore have also uh, been affected. Um, one of their last league games uh, got postponed uh, because more than 10 of their players uh, tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, actually, they, they barely uh, managed to, to complete their match day squad for uh, last week's game against Spurs in, in London. So mm, there are a lot of problems for, for them to deal with. And uh, domestically, yeah, they, they've been challenged uh, by uh, CSKA Sofia, uh, by Lokomotiv Plovdiv, the Bulgarian Cup winners. They they have a, a new coach uh, since the last time they played Antwerp. Uh, so many, many changes to uh, to face and to deal with. Okay, it sounds like a turbulent season so far. Mm, well, of course, indeed. everywhere, uh, indeed, it seems to be the case. To get more to the Europa League and maybe, well, in hindsight, in what were the fans' expectations for Ludo Goretz um, in, the Europe, in the Europa League this season? Uh, what, what were the feelings after the draw? Uh, to be honest, I myself was thinking that uh, they had some good chances of finishing uh, second behind Spurs and advancing to the knockout stages uh, because Ludogorets are used to, to qualifying from the group stages uh, and playing some European football in the spring. Uh, they, they did it last season when they finished second uh, and they played Inter in the Europa League knockout stages. Uh, they've also played a few times in the Champions League group stages. So they, they have a lot of European experience. Mm, and uh, they've also won the last nine league titles in Bulgaria. So they, they've become a local uh, force to be reckoned with. So I expected them to, to do much better in Europe. Up until now, they, they've been uh, disappointing and uh, they've always... Uh, Picked, picked up some, some points uh, during their European campaign. So I didn't see this coming, this really bad start. Uh, first, the, the loss against At Antwerp at home. Then this crazy game against Lask in Austria. Uh, maybe the, the defeat against Spurs in Razgrad was uh, calculated, but still... I expected them to to deliver uh, much better performances against Antwerp and Lask. Yeah, I think all team three, all three of these teams actually expected to be fighting for a second spot, and it seems like Ludo Goretz got behind now. Well, while we're on that, is there still believing qualification for the next round, or is it more about getting some points for the coefficients? 
Yeah, and, and additionally, do you think they will rest some players in Europe from now on? I I honestly believe that after the third defeat in the group stages, uh, the one against Spurs at home, maybe they they haven't completely written off uh, the the European campaign, but uh, there's mainly their honor. To, to play for and maybe they they will rest some players as already mentioned uh, there have been a lot of players recovering from coronavirus from uh, various injuries um, so they uh, they can give uh, some playing minutes to to less known players maybe some some academy players uh, because there is nothing really to to play for in in the remaining few few games yeah i i, I kind of agree that think that's a good strategy would be a good strategy for them yeah a few players uh, like stefan bajin uh, josue sa uh, might be a bit more known among people in belgium because they uh, have a history uh, both of them were at uh, anderlecht at some point in their career is there are they important players for Ludo Goretz at the time being um, and additionally actually more who, who are the key players uh, and three key players to look out for for Antwerp and how Ludo Goretz sorry these are four, three or four questions in once but uh, you can take all the time you need <laughs> well actually I would say that most of the players to, to watch out for uh, play up front uh, for example Romanian striker uh, Ke- uh, Claudio Kesheru he's uh, a really experienced player performing really well in the in the penalty area of, of the rivals Bulgaria international Kirill Despotov who was voted Bulgaria's 2018 player of the year is uh, another Ludogorets player to keep an eye on actually he's moved uh, to Ludogorets because he, he joined the Bulgarian champions uh, at the end of, of this transfer window and it was a really controversial move because he used to play for CSK Sofia he, he said that he would never play for another a Bulgarian club. He moved from CSK to Calari in Italy. He he then was loaned out to Turm Graz in Austria. And then he came back all of a sudden to Bulgaria, uh, signing for uh, Ludogorets, uh, sparking some controversies between both sides. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's really talented. Uh, he's yet to live up to his potential, to, to the expectations. Another player maybe is uh, Elvis Manu, who played, although he's a pure winger, uh, he played as a false nine, let's say, against Lask. And he managed to score a hat-trick. Uh, so even though Ludogorets uh, lost this match uh, for three, Manu got the, the spotlight and scored all three goals for Ludogorets. Uh, so maybe he will play again uh, against Antwerp. But uh, as I told you, a lot of their players are either out of form, uh, just recovered from from injuries uh, despotov being one of them or uh, many of them uh, have uh, recovered from uh, covid-19 as well um, mm-hmm. so it's it's really difficult to to predict for example for the game against uh, spurs in in london uh, most of the players had done just one training session ahead of the game in london their quarantine had just ended it was a really difficult situation for the Bulgarian champions and I I think that naturally uh, judging by the performances in Europe and the results of course uh, their focus uh, will turn more to the league 
An interesting point, actually, that, Matodi, because I was going to ask you about just in terms of the bigger picture with Ludogorets and, and European football, how, how do they see that in a kind of long-term sense? Because I know for a lot of clubs, European football is often seen as a as a kind of bonus. Ludogorets have, have been doing so well domestically for, for a long time now. Is 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 the European sphere something that they see as a, as a bonus or is it very much part of, of the overall picture for them in that, you know, winning domestically ensures European football but they want to continue to do well in Europe in order to you know maintain the profile of the club and and potentially raise the sale asset of of players how how does that work well Scott uh, I I, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, with the situation like uh, Celtic in in Scotland uh, those Gorets have won nine league titles in a row and Mm -hmm. uh, for them uh, the league title is a must <laughs> and uh, Europe uh, is not just a bonus, uh, it's the stage they want to, to shine on mm-hmm. and uh, they want to be judged by. Uh, so it's also uh, an important uh, source of revenue, especially this year when COVID uh, hit really hard, uh, all the leagues, uh, all the uh, the, the business enterprises um, and uh, Ludogorets, I'm sure that uh, their owner, the, the coaching staff, they were all hoping for a much better performance in Europe because uh, all the games in, in Bulgaria are currently being played uh, behind closed doors. Uh, that means uh, no uh, match day uh, revenue, mainly uh, some, some uh, TV rights income but still it's it's not enough so for the Goretz, uh, it was uh, really important to to perform well in europe and uh, they are aiming to continue their domestic dominance looking to to win uh, a 10th consecutive title at the end of this season uh, which would be an all-time record for for the bulgarian league uh, because right now they they have equal CSK Sofia uh, record, uh, which was set back in the middle of, of the 20th century. But uh, now they yeah, they want to, to make the headlines and to, to compete against the big guns in, in Europe. They've actually managed to, to do that in previous campaigns when they reached the Champions League group stages, played really well against the likes of uh, Real Madrid and Liverpool. Uh, this year, maybe it's uh, a kind of a transition period because a lot of the players Ludo Goretz won all these domestic titles with. Uh, some of them uh, have already left the club. Some of them have been sold to, to bigger clubs. Some of them are uh, getting older, uh, not performing according to the expectations anymore. Um, and uh, they've signed a lot of new players. Uh, actually, in the first game against Antwerp, they had uh, this uh, Czech manager in charge, Pavel Verba. He got sacked a few weeks later after the, the game against Antwerp. And uh, now they have a, I would say, more a temporarily, yeah, temporary coach uh, in charge, and they are looking for a more permanent solution so that they can rebuild. Uh, because as always in football, there comes the time uh, when you when you have to refresh the the blood within the within the team, signing some new players, getting some new faces, uh, changing some of the tactical ideas, uh, the approach. 
And I, I think that uh, this is the transitional year for, for Ludogorets as a whole. Yeah, thank you for this insight. Actually, on that uh, coaching change, did, did, well, were there many changes made inside the squad as well because of that? Have the results improved uh, domestically? Well, is there a difference, basically? I, I think uh, there is some difference. Actually, current Ludogorets coach uh, Stanislav Genchev, uh, he used to be uh, in charge of, of the team for Czech Pavel Verba came in. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is his uh, second spell at the helm of the club. Um, and uh, players are, I, I think, more, yeah, more relaxed uh, with, with Genchev uh, because Verba didn't deliver the results he was uh, hard for, uh, but he was also uh, a bit grumpy, <laughs> let's say, and put it this way. And I, I think that uh, the atmosphere within the club uh, has improved significantly with uh, Genchev in charge now. As for the results, um, it's difficult to, to, to say because uh, there was uh, an international break. <laughs> a lot of the players mm -hmm, uh, of got, got sick, got infected with the coronavirus. Uh, most of them stayed in quarantine for 14 days. They didn't play in the league. Uh, so the impact of, uh, of Genchev's appointment, appointment is uh, yet to be fully felt. But I, I think that at least uh, uh, short term, Speaking, he might be the the right solution for to their problems. Yeah, before we move on to a bit more general Bulgarian football questions, a bit outside <laughs> of the scope of the topic, how do how do you feel personally about the the game against Antwerp? Uh, are there actually indeed some players at risk for missing uh, the game because of the COVID spread? Well, uh, that we already know of the COVID spread. Mm -hmm. Of course, cases well come and go all the time. Given given the the fact that more than ten players have already covered from from the virus, I, I think that yeah they they will be fit uh, and ready to to play. But for example, uh, Spanish striker Ihinio Marin, who scored against Antwerp in Razgrad in the first game between the two sides he got injured and he's sidelined for a few months a really tough injury and he he won't be available um, but apart from from that i expect uh, most of the key players for ludogorets to to be back maybe not top form but back in shape and start uh, improving their their performance and uh, delivering uh, some some better results. Well, actually, before actually moving on to the other teams, but uh, does Cosmin Moti still have a place in the squad? Last time mm. I checked, he was still part of the team, but I I don't know if he's still a regular because well, I ask this because I personally have a soft spot, a little soft spot for Lugoids at European level since well that shootout. Um, I think yeah yeah you are better placed to tell our listeners about which shootout I'm talking about. Uh, and uh, well, the story about how he actually became a legend um, at the club. Yeah, Motsi is uh, a living legend at the club. Um, it happened in 2014. Mm, I was at that game. I'm about to, to tell you. <laughs> so it was a Champions League qualifier between Ludogorets and uh, Stiawa Bucharest. Uh, the game was played in, in Bulgarian capital Sofia because back then uh, the stadium of Ludogorets uh, didn't have the, the license to host uh, European games mm, of that magnitude. Uh, so went to a, to a penalty shootout 
And Cosmin Mozzi uh, had to stay in goal uh, because uh, Ludogorets goalkeeper Tujanov was uh, sent off at the end of extra time. So Mozzi, uh, a defender, uh, had to, to stay in goal and he uh, saved a couple of penalties against Tiawa. And what's more, he used to play for Dinamo Bucharest in, in Romania. And these are the, the main ra- rivals of Tiawa. Uh, so you can imagine what it was like for him to to become the hero of the night uh, against um, his eternal enemies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, he did really well. And after that game, Lulugorets owner Domoschiev uh, promised uh, to uh, name one of the new stands of the club stadium in Razgrad after Mozi. Uh, and he kept his word. When the stand was ready, it was unveiled and uh, it's now called uh, the Mozi stand. Um, So as for his place, current place uh, in the team, uh, he's one of the one of the players to to get older, uh, but one of the the old guard and uh, one of the the old warriors uh, Udugorets are still relying on. So whenever there is a, a big game with a lot of a lot at stake. Mozi is one of the guys to to turn to. Yeah, it's still a, still an amazing story to already have a stand in the stadium while you're actually still playing at the club. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I love that story. It doesn't, doesn't get old, although you probably had to tell it too many times already, so I'm sorry for that. But, nah, uh... <laughs> no worries, no worries. I mean, it was amazing and yeah, the, the, like the, the stadium actually full with... Uh, with some CSKA Sofia fans who supported Tiawa in that game. <laughs> because Tiawa and CSKA have some uh, fraternal relationship ever since the, the communist regime. Both clubs used to be affiliated to the communist mm-hmm. army, mm-hmm. Uh, both in Romania and uh, Bulgaria. Uh, so when Stiawa came to town, some CSKA fans uh, went to the stadium supporting Stiawa and uh, yeah chanting against Ludogorets so it was uh, an absolutely crazy game so unfortunately uh, you already touched on it on, on the covid cases in bulgaria yeah i also saw that there was some more even more unfortunate news that there was some sad news regarding covid in bulgarian football just this week or last week could you tell us yeah. about that well unfortunately yeah uh, the coach of one of the bulgarian league uh, teams montana his name is koas pasov he died uh, at the age of 61 after suffering from pneumonia following coronavirus and his funeral was was last week a lot of people uh, showed up from from different clubs different uh, fans to to pay their respect and it was really sad because uh, he was a well-known uh, coach he he used to be in charge of another team called uh, Chernomore and he led them to a Bulgarian Cup triumph a few years uh-huh. ago so yeah unfortunately um, coronavirus took his life and left its uh, mark on, on the Bulgarian league in a really really bad way yeah always sad these stories another last thing uh, also aside of Ludogorets and, and less tragic can, but we cannot let it pass by another <laughs> weird thing just happened in Bulgarian football also this week or last week yeah the CSK Sofia appointed Alan Pardew as technical director uh, yeah what do you make of that 
So it's to us, it seems like a very random move. <laughs> well, I have to say that uh, rarely a piece of news coming from the Bulgarian League has made uh, so many headlines <laughs> uh, across Europe <laughs> and in the UK, especially. And I, I wasn't that surprised. Uh, I wouldn't say that I saw it coming, but... Uh, There were some some reports um, that Pardio was was one of the options for a new coach CSK were looking at. They went for another coach, but currently contact was was already made uh, between CSK and Pardio. And then at some point uh, they decided to hire him uh, as their new technical director. Uh, from what I hear, he's going to succeed Italian. Cristiano Giaretta, who left CSK in the summer for Watford uh, in England. And Giaretta used to be in charge of uh, the uh, transfer strategy, signing new players. So I, I think that Pardew will now be responsible for, for the new signings at CSK Sofia. It will be fun, that's for sure, because he's a really interesting character. And... I'm not sure uh, whether he he will be considered as an alternative option or option B in case the like the things with the with the current coach uh, don't go the way CSK supporters and uh, board members want. But uh, yeah, let's let's see uh, because he's yet to to talk to to the Bulgarian media yet to be presented. But uh, it's uh, definitely. A really interesting appointment, one that uh, that's not made every day in the Bulgarian league. Uh, he's becoming kind of a globetrotter after his uh, short spell in in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. and maybe this will be another adventure for him. It will be curious to see how long he stays in Bulgaria for, um, because sometimes you know that kind of uh, appointments uh, they don't last too much so let's see <laughs> and it will be interesting i guess uh, csk uh, will be targeting the uk market <laughs> uh, because of uh, pardew and yeah it will be interesting for sure yeah sounds like it's still is there any link between beforehand between between the owners or something and Pardew or his agents? No, no, no. Uh, actually, when like Lulu Goretz and CSK <laughs> both fired their coaches uh, on the same weekend. <laughs> and, interesting. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting. And then Lesky Sofia did it. So all three powerhouses in Bulgarian football uh, sacked their coaches at once i mean it was it was a crazy weekend a bad one for all the coaches involved of course so uh, when when csk uh, sacked uh, their coach a lot of rumors appeared that they were looking to to hire a, a famous name someone like uh, thomas doe for example or hoop stevens they both uh, used to to work uh, in in the german bundesliga made a name for themselves there uh, then the name of Alan Pardew appeared 
on the surface. And in the end, they opted for, for another option. Uh, they hired the coach of Lokomotiv Plovdiv, uh, a Bosnian who is really familiar with the Bulgarian league. Uh, but maybe uh, all those uh, connections they made in the meantime, maybe speaking to, to Pardew, uh, convinced them to, to hire him as their technical director. And in a way, he's going to, to pull the strings and he's going to, to have some, some power at the club. Uh, and the, they are the main title rivals of Lulu Goretz right now. And that has been the case for the last few seasons. So I guess CSK are trying to knock uh, Lulu Goretz of their perch. And maybe they hope that Pardew is the, the boost they, they need. Definitely some exciting times ahead there. Yeah, I think that's all we have time for now. And uh, thank you for your insight and for joining us for sure. Yeah, I would always also suggest our listeners to check out the Twitter account at Chumansko uh, with two O's uh, for a great yeah. insight into, well, the Bulgarian league, Bulgarian football in general. Uh, well, just uh, Metodi. Is there is there also anything you'd like to plug yourself? Oh, uh, thank you very much for for your kind words, um, and it's been an absolute pleasure uh, being on your on your podcast. I hope I I've given your listeners a bit of insight into the small but really interesting world of the Bulgarian league. Um, I. I, I hope that yeah your your listeners will uh, become more more fond of of that league and uh, they can check out my my personal uh, blog tfmethods.com uh, yeah there is a link inside my my Twitter account and I've written a really long piece on on Lulu Goretz and uh, their uh, rise to to prominence winning nine titles in a row because ever since they got promoted to Bulgarian top flight back in 2010 11 they've always won the bulgarian league so it's a really unprecedented story in world football i have to say uh, so if your listeners want to know even more about lulu Goretz, they can check out my uh, long piece on on their rise to power yeah, great. I, I highly recommend it to our listeners as well to do so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, again, thank you for joining. It was our pleasure as well. Um, yeah, we always love to receive feedback or questions or comments here at the BFP. So if you fancy a bit of that, you can tweet us at uh, Belgian Podcast or email us at BelgianFoodPodcast at gmail.com. As always, I was Joris Beck and I was joined by Scott Coyne and we'll be back soon with another BFP with Ben again next week. <laughs>